You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are doing four weeks in this sermon series called Monsters Within. Um, We're looking at how the Bible portrays Uh, the evil within us. I really do believe, and it's a core conviction, that the evil we see in the world is present within our own hearts as well. And so it's not about figuring out who's the bad guys and who the good guys are. It's about how do we deal with the evil that's within us, inside of us, what's going on. We're going to do that by looking at how the ancients thought about body parts, about how the Bible talks about our our body, and the way that they talk about our body um, in ways that can sometimes be detrimental to our spiritual walk. As always, we'll take a time for questions and answers at the end. If you have any, please text this. I did have two last week, and I accidentally skipped it, so I'm going to try extra hard to take a look at those this week. But if you have anything during any part of the message, please send it. No question too big or too small. If I don't know, I'll let you know. Today we are talking about eyes and the evil eye. Maybe you've heard that phrase, maybe you haven't. Cultures all over the world and as far back as we can study have had this concept of the evil eye. Evil eye. I've heard, so my grandmother is very Italian. Uh, You wouldn't know it by how um, white I am and how red my beard is. Uh, But I've heard the phrase evil eye, but I didn't think I understood it until I got deep down into this. What is it? I have a quick video, fun YouTube video to kind of explain what the evil eye is. Take a look. Maybe you know. Maybe you know more than I do. But this video will get us all caught up. The evil eye. Do you fear the malevolent gaze? That someone can bring you misfortune simply by looking at you? I'm not asking if you have scopophobia. What I'm really saying is, do you believe in the evil eye? It is different names in different languages, but humans across various cultures have always believed in and feared the malevolent gaze, or that someone's envy could bring harm to another's good fortune. But the evil eye is more than just a trinket. There's the evil eye charm, which can be found on jewellery, and then there's the belief in the evil eye curse, which is said to be transmitted through someone's malicious or envious glare. That video is much longer. I encourage you to watch it if you want to know more. The evil eye. I mean, it is, you see it all over the world. They sell jewelry, like I said, to try to ward off people's evil stares. It has to do with envy. It has to do with um, people looking at you in such a way that they want your stuff or they want ill harm to come to you. And uh, it can apparently do something bad. It can apparently cast some kind of curse on you and you need to figure out a way to uh, get rid of it. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's a religious thing you can do. I bring that up because Jesus is going to talk about evil eyes today. And it's not something that is, is as prevalent in our own culture. And so um, we need to kind of figure out the context before we dive into it. Maybe some of you know quite a bit, like I said, but I don't. Matthew 26, I mean, Matthew 6, 22 through 24. Here's what Jesus says. The eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how terrible that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters. 
either you will hate the one or you will love the other or you'll be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So Jesus wants to talk about eyes today. Eyes, darkness, light. He talks about evil eye here in connection to envy. And we're going to get into it. You know how I preach? If you don't, I preach head, heart, hands. Something that God wants us to know with our heads, experience or feel with our heart and do with our hands. And so what I think God wants us to know today through this passage with Jesus is that, whoa, 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 y'all. Jesus connects light to sight. Which isn't that big a deal. If you know anything about science, you know that light is required for sight. But he wants to talk about darkness and light when it comes to our eyes. We see it here, right? The eye is the lamp of the body. Full of light or full of darkness, you see? If your eye is healthy or if your eye is evil, that's going to determine the light that is within you. Another thing we need to know about the ancients is that they believed light was inside of you. Pythagoras, you know Pythagorean theorem, if you were in math class. They believed that there was light within you, and how you saw was that the light came out of your body onto the object, and you were able to take in the object. This is Scott McKnight. I have another quote from him later, great biblical scholar in the New Testament. According to uh, physiology prevalent in Greco-Roman antiquity, the eyes do not function by allowing light to come in, but by allowing the body's own light to go out. The eye is the conduit or source of the light that makes sight possible. Now, hear me when I say I'm not trying to convince you of this ancient belief because this isn't how sight works. But Jesus is using the prevalent idea of the day to talk to them about their own spiritual inner life, the stuff that's going on inside their body. And what Jesus wants to say is that the light within you is connected to where your eyes are focused. See, he says the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, you will have good light. You'll be full of light. And if your eyes are evil, full of envy, full of stinginess, full of greed, then you will have darkness within you. You will not see clearly. What is Jesus saying? How do we put this in today's language? This is another one of my favorite scholars, Ben Witherington III. I know, Benjamin Witherington. He says, the point is, again, to ask what is one's guiding light? This is his question. What one's guiding light is? What is the single, internal, organizing principle or orientation of one's life? This is how he understands this passage from Jesus, amazing biblical scholar. When Jesus is talking about eyes and he's connecting it to light, he's asking you what your guiding light is. Because what your eyes are focused on is going to determine the inner quality of your spiritual life if that makes sense. Jesus is asking what your guiding light is. When I was a kid, and this is one of the things, this is one of the things. Here's the story I was getting ready to say. <laughs> was that when I was a kid, I remember being very little. I remember being living on, on, out on the end of Grand, and I remember learning a very valuable lesson from my dad. We were outside playing frisbee because we had a big field next to the house. And I remember my dad, <clears throat> I remember just throwing the frisbee on the ground immediately, just like, you know, not throwing it well. And I remember my dad saying, here is the problem with how you're throwing it. My dad didn't mince words, right? If he knows the solution, he's going to help you. And so he said, you're looking at your hands. You're looking at the frisbee. 
you're not looking at the person that you're throwing it to, and therefore, you're not figuring out where to go. I immediately threw it well, right? Even as a little kid. Immediately threw it well. I immediately threw it to where I wanted to go because I was looking where I intended to go instead of looking at the thing right in front of me. And I think this is what Jesus is getting at. Where your eyes are focused will determine the health and quality of your spiritual life. I've been saying that, and I'm going to keep saying that because I think this is the ultimate point that Jesus wants us to know. Your, where your eyes are focused, deter, focused is determined where your health and quality of your spiritual life. And he wants our eyes and focus to be on this thing called the kingdom of God. Just a few verses later, he says, instead, seek, right? This is eye language. Seek first and foremost God's kingdom and God's justice, and all these things will be given to you. We're going to get into that second half later. But do you see what Jesus wants our focus to be on? If you want healthy light, if you want to be full of good light, Jesus says, make sure your eyes are focused on the right stuff, which is ultimately he wants us to be talking about this thing called the kingdom. What is the kingdom? That is for a completely different sermon, but I got a few summary points for us here. The kingdom of God is Jesus's primary message. Any sermon that Jesus is preaching is entirely about the kingdom of God. He has come to show us about this thing called the kingdom. And essentially, this is what it is. God was becoming king of creation again in and through Jesus. That humanity had rejected God and God's ways, and that in and through Jesus, God was becoming king again of his own creation, and the world would come under God's rule and reign again. And this is what Jesus wants us to keep our eyes on. This is what Jesus wants to keep our, us to keep our focus on, this reality. He's asking us, is this world and its ways all that you're focused on? Is this the realest reality you will be? And if it is for you, you will be full of darkness. But focusing on the kingdom as your guiding light will lead you to wholeness and holiness. What does Jesus want us to experience or feel in the midst of this? The evil eye is about envy and stinginess, and God wants for you satisfaction and enoughness. The evil eye is about envy. Sometimes when we talk about it or think about it, it can come across as something super scary. When cultures talk about it, talk about this evil eye can come across as something really malevolent. But when the Bible talks about the evil eye, they're talking about stinginess, greed, hoarding, uh, too much for yourself. Here's a Proverbs that helps understand they translated the word stingy. They translated evil eye into the word stingy. The stingy try to get rich fast, unaware that loss will come to them. But stingy here is the word evil eye in the Hebrew. One more again. Proverbs 23 says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be smart enough to stop when your eyes fly to wealth. It is gone. It, is gone. it grows wings like an eagle and flies heavenward. Don't eat food with stingy, with evil-eyed people. Don't long for their delicacies. When the Bible talks about evil eye, it talks about being stingy, greedy, uh, keeping too much for yourself. The Bible warns us time and time again that seeking, which is eye language again, after wealth 
is darkness and death. This is Jesus' message, too, when he talks about the eye being the lamp of the body. Here's our passage. He says very clearly, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is evil, right? If your eye is evil, he said, you'll be full of darkness. And what is the context? You cannot serve God and wealth. And if we zoom out, which is going to be even harder to see, you'll see that the context that Jesus is framing this in has to do with money, wealth, finances, the way that we seek after riches. This section right here is do not store up treasures for yourself on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, right? Where moth and rust cannot eat and destroy. This is our, the eye is the lamp of the body. You cannot serve God in money. And then this section is about not worrying about tomorrow, about what you'll eat, where, drink. Your, your heavenly father who loves you very much will take care of you. And at the end of that, he says, instead, desire first and foremost the kingdom of God and God's justice, and all these things will be given to you. When Jesus is talking about the evil eye, he's not talking about some supernatural malevolent force that is trying to ruin your life. He's talking about the ways that we focus on the material things around us. He's talking about the ways in which we seek after material comforts, wealth, riches, finances. That's the context. And it's so easy for our eyes to be focused on the material wealth and comforts because that's what we see around us all the time, right? Uh, I came up with some polls because I, I think this is important to kind of discern. When we talk about weed, weed, that's not what I'm talking about. When we talk about greed and we talk about wealth, I combined wealth and greed. <laughs> uh, when, I, when we talk about greed, there's an important thing that happens in American culture that I wanted you to see. So in the Zogby poll, Zogby is a, is a polling group, uh, Americans listed greed and materialism as the number one American problem in our culture. This goes on. Vanity Fair, 78% of Americans disagreed with Gordon Gekko, uh, his quote, greed is good. So most Americans are, disagree with that. Uh, the Gallup survey revealed that 75% of Americans believe that there's too much emphasis on money. A poll in The Economist, uh, the readers were asked, what is the deadliest sin? And almost everybody said, greed of the seven deadly sins. Richard Harwood, he wrote a book called Affluenza. He's, his quote is, uh, there's a universal feeling in the, this nation that we become too materialistic, too greedy, too self-absorbed, too selfish. But, BBC poll on the seven deadly sins, they asked people which one they struggle with the most, and greed was last. When, <laughs> when they asked... Have you, ever committed, <laughs> have you ever committed one of these seven deadly sins? Greed was at the bottom. When asked if they were, which sin they'd done the least amount in the last month, greed was at the bottom. On a Catholic dating site, they were asked, which seven deadly sins do you struggle with? Greed was the last one. Less 2.75% admitted this. The president of the Global Ethics, uh, uh, Global Ethics University said, few people identify themselves as greedy. Tim Keller is a pastor in New York City. He says, even though it is clear that the world is filled with greed materialism, and materialism, almost no one thinks it's true of them. Greed hides itself from the victim. Last quote from another pastor. It is also insidious. 
this greed, this evil eye, burrowing its way into the lives of people like a worm into an apple, unnoticed until the rot begins from the inside out. I brought all that up because I think this is why Jesus, in the middle of talking about money, wants to talk to us about light and sight. He wants to talk to us about what's going on inside our own spiritual lives. Because at the core of this issue about wealth, about greed, about envy, about evil eyes, Jesus wants us to take stock of what's going on inside. So we can check our own light and check our own focus and make sure that we're not filling ourselves with darkness and leading ourselves down a path that God doesn't want us to go. Because Jesus has goodness for us. Jesus has goodness for us. The passage we kept reading and are going to read again, Jesus says, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Your heavenly father knows that you need them. Instead, seek eye language. Focus on the kingdom first and foremost. God's kingdom, God's justice and righteousness, and all those things will be given to you as well. When your eyes are focused on the right thing, Jesus says you get everything else because your body is full of God's light and you have healthy eyes heading in a healthy direction. Our Heavenly Father, who loves us very much, will supply our needs with our eyes focused on the real and right stuff. What does God want us to do with our hands? What does God want us to do? What's the action step we can take from this evil eye, healthy eye dialogue Jesus has? Jesus wants us to know that our actions are a reflection of our illumination. And this is the point where I'm supposed to simplify things, but I just gave you a riddle. I realized that. Uh, Our actions are a reflection of our illumination. We've seen it here. If your eye is healthy, your body will be healthy. If your eye is evil, then your body will be full of darkness. And then Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. If we want to know about our sight and our light, we just need to look at how we treat the stuff around us. Our actions reveal what we're focused on and what's going on in our internal spiritual life. Here's a story for me about how we treat stuff. This is not going to get political at all, but I'm going to tell you a story about my life uh, so that I can try to demonstrate this point. I was an assistant pastor, and so I got to decorate the church when holidays came. And so Easter was late this year. It was in mid-April. And so I had to bring the cross in to put up near the front, near the altar, for our Easter celebration. And I remember going out, and I, it was behind the garage. It stayed out outside. It was an old wooden cross. I remember dragging it through the dirt. I remember walking through the door with it, banged it off a couple walls because that's just how I live my life sometimes. <laughs> Drug it. I remember it falling over at one point. I remember me putting it up on stage trying to get it right, jostling it around. A month later was May, the holiday, uh, Memorial Day, right? Is at the end of May. I was in charge of putting up the flags. I remember I couldn't find them because they were stored away so nice and neat. I remember when I opened the box for the flags, there were seven of them. I remember feeling this overwhelming idea of like, I don't know 
the rules of the flag. So then I went and Googled, am I allowed to touch a flag? Like, can I drape it over a chair? Is that against the rules? Um, does it have to be hung a certain way? That night in my own prayer time, I realized these are two symbols of my life, of my American identity and my Christian identity, and I did not care at all about the cross, right? But I was very concerned about the flag. The way that I treated both of these symbol, symbolic items was telling to me about my own faith and my own life and the things that I was concerned about. I think the flag needs to be respected. In my head, the question was, why was I bouncing the cross off the walls and dragging it through the dirt, right? If I'm going to respect one, maybe I should respect the other or both. Should they be equal? The way that I treated the objects, the way that I treated the stuff around me revealed to me something going on in my own heart and in my own faith. The ways that I was brought up, the ways that I was socialized in this world. It, it spoke to me, my actions spoke to me about my faith. And really, I consider that a turning point, a crucial point in my faith where I began to think about things in a different way, began to think about my faith in a more serious way, what it is we're doing, what it is and how we do it, right? This is what Jesus wants us to know, is that the way you treat the stuff around you reveals spiritual life going on inside. It says something about your sight and your light. Scott McKnight again says, what is not debatable for Jesus is the certainty that one's inner constitution, that light stuff we're talking about, that spiritual life is broadcast in one's behaviors. You want an oil check on where your spiritual life is. It's going to be revealed in what you do, how you treat others. So many times we think we're good because we want to do the right thing, right? We judge others by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. It's like, well, I, I want good things to happen, right? I want, and therefore I must be good and righteous because I'm, I really want good stuff to happen. And those people are obviously bad because they messed up a couple too many times in a row. But Jesus wants us to know that we can check ourselves based on our behaviors. So the questions I'm in wrapping up with here, what are you working for and toward? That's a good question to me. As we think about this envy, this evil eye, the things that we have our eyes focused on, what are you saving for, right? What are we saving for? What are we praying for? What amount would be enough? And then I just put a bunch of questions together. How much is enough? How big is enough? How new is enough? How nice is enough, right? Jesus wants for us enoughness. He wants satisfaction for us. He says when we focus on the kingdom, he will make sure that we have what we need. And I think these questions can reveal our heart and make sure that we don't have an unhealthy, evil eye leading us in a direction that Jesus doesn't want us to go. Here's my conclusion. Here's what we talked about today. With our head, if you have any questions, be sending them now. With our head, Jesus wants us to connect sight and light to force us to think about our guiding principle. What is our guiding light in this world? Jesus wants it to be the kingdom of God. Anything else, he says, is going to introduce darkness into our life. 
What does Jesus want us to experience with our heart? The evil eye is about stinginess, envy, greed, and God wants for us enoughness. God desires for us to be satisfied, but when we have our eyes focused on things that are other than God, those things will not satisfy us and will leave us wanting. With our hands, what does Jesus want us to do? He wants us to take a look at our actions and realize that they are a reflection of that illumination, that inner spiritual life within us. Make sense? All hearts clear? I got a, I got a text. Now's the time. I'm not understanding. If that person would send their text again. But they're asking about, how, can we distinguish a little bit on how our culture naturally uh, values things and how that in, infects us, how that uh, implants us? I talk about this a lot, so I'm trying not to talk about it too much. But, man, I just, when it comes down to it for me, I always think about commercials, which are insidious. They're everywhere. You see tons of them all the time. And their main goal is to make you think you're not enough, you don't have enough, you need something more so that you will be loved or successful or seen in a good light, and their, their product is going to get you one step closer to that situation. And so that's why I think Jesus is trying to talk to us about our eyes, because when we, what you see is important. What you see, take in is wildly determinative of what your reality is. And there's just so much about what we see with our eyes and focus on that says so many lies to us about who we are, what, what we need, how we are deficient, and uh, it, it shapes and warps our mental reality all the time. Okay. We're going to move into a time of hearing from God's word. I mean, from communion. I'm on autopilot, y'all. Would you pray with me as we move into a time of communion? Thank you, Father. We thank you for this word. In our spookiest month for us as a culture, that we can think about these things. The evil that is in us from the fall the evil that you long to redeem us from, and the ways that your word talks about it when it comes to our body, when it comes to identifying the parts of us that can lead us astray, lead us further from you. Would you help us now take stock of what our eyes are focused on? Would you help us to Determine what our guiding light is. What that guiding principle within us is. And would you help us to each day be more and more focused, more and more clearly on you, on your kingdom, on the goodness that you have for us. And would you help us to trust that you want good things for us, that you will provide what we need. And Father, now as we come into a time of communion, would you help us to come with expectation to meet you here? Because you promise that you are present, 
when we gather around the table. Would your spirit be in these elements and in our heart in such a way that this bread and this cup would be spiritual nourishment for us in our journeys as we continue to walk together towards you and towards the realization of your kingdom. And now, Father, as one body with one voice, we pray together. Would you pray with me? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come.